Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this podcast. Today is Tuesday, December 15th of 2020, and I'm joined here by my brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, and we are excited today to come to you with a study in the Word of God. We're also so happy that you could be joining us. We want to welcome all of our listeners, no matter where you're tuning in from. We're so glad and delighted to have you with us that you would take out of your time to be able to come and study and fellowship with us in the Word of God. We are definitely living in exciting times. Uh, From the moment, even we can see even from the times of Paul, uh, the people were feeling that they were living in the last days. Can you imagine that 2,000 years later? Here we are a little closer. I believe we have either (laughs) entered or about to enter the end of time. Think about that. The end of time where time shall be no more. We are we have arrived to the frontier, to the front, the final frontier, the final battle. And in in many ways, we are so honored and privileged to be part of these times to see what the prophets spoke about. Amen. What the apostles spoke about, what Jesus said in his word. We are seeing it with our very own eyes. So these are exciting times for those who have placed their hope in Jesus Christ. Those who haven't, oh, man, I fear for you. But I tell you, God is uh, awakening up his people. He's awakening up his remnant in this hour. And so that's why we're excited, because our salvation is much nearer than when we first begun. Jesus is coming back again Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're excited today about today's study in the Word, and we're going to get right into the Word of God. So, Brother Marty, we'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we continue to study the Word of God together today. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back again on this Tuesday. We're looking forward to the podcast today. We're going to get into a different kind of a study today, but it really does continue to go with the flow in what we've been looking at. We're still in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, and today we're going to look at Daniel as a type of Jesus Christ, as a type of Christ Jesus. The Bible says, really the Father said, in Ezekiel chapter 14, I think it was verse, let's see, 14 and 20, he said there that at the time that Jerusalem was about to be judged, he said, listen, if there was only Noah and Daniel and Job here, he said those would be the only three that make it through. And that that got me to thinking because as I began to meditate on all three of those lives, I realized how much each and every one of them represented a type of Christ. They were real historical figures and lived out true historical events. But the father drawing attention to those three, saying that, by their righteousness alone, they would deliver themselves in the time of judgment. They come to represent a type of Christ. Noah, in in his sense, was the one who who built the ark for the saving of all humanity, his own house, which saved humanity. Just as Christ went to the cross, he became our ark, the savior of all the world. Daniel as well, uh, by his actions and his righteousness, preserved the nation. And then Job, of course, as the one who was 
afflicted and allowed to be afflicted uh, by the devil himself. Yet in all this, he sinned not. And when he recovered or was delivered by his father, Father God, that is Job, uh, he had twice as much as he had before, just as Christ would have both Jew and Gentile become part of his family. So that is what we endeavor to do today. And we're going to look at it from a prophetic perspective as well. We're going to go through several scriptures. So we hope you enjoy this study as we explore Daniel as a type of Christ. Brother Jeremy, would you start us off today, if you could please, uh, by reading uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. And we pray you be blessed today in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy. Amen. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Amen. So, you know, there are many, many layers to the word of God. And Daniel chapter 6 is a perfect case in point. Uh, chapter 6 is both historical and it's prophetic in how it's presented. And if you remember yesterday, those of you who are with us, if you haven't, we encourage you to go back to hear yesterday's podcast. In yesterday's podcast, we viewed what the Holy Spirit teaches us uh, concerning Daniel and uh, as a foreshadow of the tribulation saints, uh, the church at the end times. Remember, uh, as we've learned over the last several months together, there's a key that's found in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10, where it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So in other words, we we need to look for Christ Jesus in the scriptures. And if we can't find him there, then our understanding isn't correct. The Apostle John told us in John chapter 1, verse 1, he said, uh, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in verse 14, he said, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So then the word of God is the Lord Jesus. That's what we're told. And, of course, the Lord Jesus is the Word. And so, with that understanding, let's look today at Daniel as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think you'll find it, as I hope we do at least, as fascinating as we do as we enter into this study again. But, Jeremy, could you read verse 3 to us again as we begin? Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Okay, so remember, when, when we enter Daniel 6, we are dealing with, with the transition of Gentile global power. We see the diminishing of, of, of Babylon and the rise of a new global empire, a new global state. In the ancient days, it, it really is uh, that 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 foreshadow of what the Book of Revelation says is the reality on the ground all over the planet 
in the final time, which times we believe we've entered. And so on a deeper prophetic level, this is a key to what unfolds in Daniel 6. We have to look at it from that perspective. Uh, what unfolds, uh, it, it shows us a couple of things. One, it's going to show us the gospel in how it relates to the Lord's uh, ministry when he first came. But also when we conclude our study today, we'll see that it also reveals the end of time and the declaration and the establishment of the kingdom of God forever and forever. Now, Brother Jeremy, I'm going to need you to really go through scriptures today. Uh, and, and brothers, please jump in and comment on anything that you might see. This isn't by any means an exhaustive comparison, but I think we'll see some incredibly interesting things. So again, like Brother Jeremy said, when we pick this up, when we when he read in, in verse 3, we see that Daniel is about to be made king over the whole realm. And how that how that relates to Christ and why that's a type of Christ is because it's the same thing. In the Lord's first appearance, he was presented to Israel as the Messiah, as the king over the whole realm. Uh, because that's what the scripture had, had taught them, that when Messiah came, he would institute God's kingdom on earth. And so when he first comes and when we first pick up the story, he's being presented to Israel as the king. And and it's the same when we see Daniel in chapter 6, it's first being declared that that uh, that the king is seeking to make Daniel the lord over the whole the whole earth really or the known world of that time. So we see a parallel right there. Brother Jeremy, could you turn over to Daniel chapter 10 and read to us there in verse 11 what it says about Daniel? Daniel chapter 10, verse 11. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent, and when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. So notice how Daniel is identified there. He's called greatly beloved. And we're talking about Daniel as a type of Christ. But Jeremy, can you go over to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17? And we'll see that the, that the same kind of terminology is used about the Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel 3 verse 17. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we see the two things already beginning to take shape. Daniel in chapter 6 is presented as one that's about to be appointed or uh, considering uh, the, the king wants to make him the king over the whole realm. And it's the same way that the Lord came. He was presented as the king over all of all of Israel. And then we see Daniel also being called the beloved of God. And, and it's the same phraseology that's used uh, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, what Brother Jeremy just read there. He, he was, he's called my beloved son. In Matthew 17, 5, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when... Elijah and Moses appear, and Jesus is changed right in front of, right in front of them. Uh, and, and Peter says, "Man, we should make tabernacles for Moses and Elijah and the Lord." And then it says that that the voice came from heaven and told them, even then, "This is my beloved son; hear ye him." 
So Daniel is, is both presented as one who, who's going to be appointed over the whole realm. Jesus is presented as the king of kings over the whole realm. Daniel is called the greatly beloved of God. Jesus is called my son and my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, uh, let's move on to Daniel chapter 6. And Brother Jeremy, could you read us verse 4 through 6? Yes. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. That's really interesting what we see there. What triggers their their attack on Daniel is the prospect of Daniel ruling the whole kingdom. But and, and this is what triggers the wrath of the of the of his fellow rulers, right? They meet together, as Brother Jeremy was just reading there, and they begin to seek a strategy to destroy him. This is a perfect picture of what happened with the Lord. They uh, in his day, his his uh, his fellow rulers, if you will, the scribes, the chief priests, and the Pharisees. They didn't want to have him ruling over them, and that's what triggered them ultimately was he was a threat to their power base and we see the same thing in the lord's life that we saw in daniel it's it's a perfect picture they then what did they do they then began to get together and figure out a way how they could destroy him that's what brother jeremy was just reading about daniel and that is exactly what what they did concerning the lord now if you remember uh what started this whole process in daniel's particular uh, situation was verse 2 of chapter 6. Can you read verse 2 of chapter 6, Brother Jeremy? And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. So there's two components here. Verse 3 goes on to tell us that the king had intended to put Daniel in charge over the whole realm. And and that's the same thing we've just been talking about. Jesus had come to become the king over the whole world. Uh, but <clears throat> verse 2 is very interesting because it's kind of a little bit of information, which we talked about yesterday. The, the responsibility is, is economic. That's what it means about giving accounts so that the king wouldn't suffer any loss, basically. So there's money involved here. And so in verse 4, they set out uh, fit, knowing that Daniel is incorruptible. And so they got to do something to get rid of him. But we see money involved, and then we see them convening together. One, because they don't want him to be uh, the king over the whole realm. Two, because it hits their pocketbooks. And three, it then moves them to, to figure out a way to try to destroy him. That's the same picture of what we see happening to the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a look at that, brother, in the Gospel of St. Luke. Turn over there to, verse, uh, to chapter 19, would you? Luke chapter 19. We'll be going back and forth to the gospel, so I'll be ready for those things. Um, yes. So again, it was the prospect of Daniel ruling the whole kingdom that brings the wrath of the rulers down on him. And then they begin to, to, to get together and seek 
how they could destroy him. And, uh, and there's economics involved there. And that's the very same thing that we see uh, take place in, in, in Luke chapter, uh, let's see here. Is it Luke? Yeah, it's Luke. In Luke chapter, uh, did I tell you what, where? 19. 19, yeah. Let's take a look there in verse uh, 45 through, through, through 47. And he went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him. And verse 48 says what? And could not find what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. So we see the type fulfilled in Jesus Christ perfectly. Again, what brought the wrath down on Daniel was was him being presented as, as the ruler over the realm, which they weren't going to have any of it. Verse 2 told us that there was economics involved. So as you dig into it, you begin to realize that the main reason was that Daniel wasn't a player. You know, he wasn't corrupt. Uh, and, and he wasn't going to be uh, the kind of man that would enter into those kinds of, of thievery and, and economic, uh, you know, uh, corruption, uh, which led them to seek a way to remove him from his, from his authority. And, and they couldn't find a way. And we see the same thing happening here in Luke chapter 19. Uh, when they begin to seek a way to destroy him, it's it's right after he cleanses the temple, of, overturns the money changers, and, and confronts them for the corruption in the house of God. And, and that's what then moves them. And it says that they gathered together, the chief priests and the scribes, and the chief of the people, seeking how they might destroy him. You know, just like the scribes and the Pharisees uh, did to Jesus, that's what was happening to Daniel. The type is, is really interesting to me, and we see it flowing in the chapter. Not only are we seeing types of the Lord, but what we're witnessing in the, in the flow of chapter 6 is the actual way that the Lord's ministry played out, which is quite fascinating to me. They meet to destroy him, but they couldn't find a way. That's what they basically said in Daniel chapter 6, right? There's There's no way... They, they sought a way, but they couldn't find a way. Right? Mm -hmm. So, so what they ended up doing was getting together and creating a law, right? They they, they went on the basis of the law uh, to to come against him, and and uh, and, and that's what we read in, in chapter uh, after they they convinced the king to sign this law. They then set about to to trap Daniel, and it's very interesting what we see then in the next. In the next phase of this type of Daniel chapter 6, uh, could you read verse 9, 10, and 11? Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Verse 11. 
Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. All right, so what we see here now is that after uh, rejecting uh, Daniel's rulership over the realm, which they wanted no part of, basically because of the corruption they were involved in, which was giving account to the king, you know, shaving off some money here and there. And they knew that Daniel was incorruptible. The Bible said of Daniel, he had an excellent spirit. You know, he's a foreshadow of the Lord. So that's how we're introduced to it in chapter 6. Then they immediately moved to seek to destroy him. That's what the Pharisees did, as we read in Luke chapter 19. But in seeking for that, you know, to destroy him, they couldn't find a way. And so what they do is they create a scenario whereby um, they could use that scenario, in their case, the law of the Medes and the Persians, to seek a way to destroy Daniel. That's the same thing the Pharisees set out to do. And what Brother Jeremy was just reading there, once the decree was signed, uh, we're told there in verse 10, Daniel knows that the decree has been signed. And then he goes to his house and, and he begins to pray and they come to where he is. So what we're actually seeing in Daniel chapter 6 in the next unfolding of the gospel here is exactly what happened to the Lord. See, Daniel's house, if you can see it, it becomes a, a type of, of Gethsemane. It becomes a type of the Garden of Gethsemane. One of the things we notice right away is that the, the verse 10 tells us he, he bows on his knees and he prays three times, right? And, 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 that, and that's what he did in Gethsemane. Jesus, when he went to Gethsemane, he fell on his face and he prayed three times. Now remember the type here, because uh, once the d decree was signed and Daniel knowing that it was signed and knowing what was going to happen with him, he goes forth into his house, just as Jesus, uh, knowing that Judas was already out going to betray him, right? He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, a place he loved to resort, and 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 he begins to pray, and he prays three times, just like Daniel did. He prays three times, and and what's really interesting is his enemies know where he is, and they come to his house. So his house becomes a type of Gethsemane. Knowing what was what was lying ahead of him, he goes to his house and and then prays three times. Jesus, knowing that that what was up and what was coming against him, he goes to Gethsemane and he prays three times. His enemies, Daniel, come to find him there, and so they would come looking for the Lord Jesus Christ at Gethsemane. Take a look at that, brother, because the same thing exactly that way happens in John chapter eighteen. Turn over to John's Gospel 18, if you don't mind, and we'll see the same thing happen. Yes. Did you, can you read to us verse 2, 3, and 4? 3, and 4. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted there with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh near with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom 
seek ye. So that's incredible. So uh, in, in verse 11 of, of Daniel 6, uh, they knew where Daniel's house was, and they knew where to find him, right? That's where they went to find him. And here in verse 2, we see Judas does the same thing. It says, Judas, which also betrayed him, he knew the place. He knew where to go and find the Lord. So Judas knew the place. The men that, that came to get Daniel knew the place. In verse 11 of chapter 6 of Daniel, it says that the men all assembled and came together to come get come get the Lord, uh, Daniel. And then it says here in verse 3 that Judas also assembled with a bunch of men, right? The Pharisees, priests, you know, uh, and, and the officers, so forth. And they come to get the Lord Jesus Christ. We see Gethsemane playing out in Daniel's house. We see the fulfillment of it playing out in John chapter 18. And then finally, remember when the decree was signed, we were told that Daniel, knowing that it had been signed, he went forth to his house. And here in, in, in John 18, it says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, he went forth. So we see, <laughs> we see this playing out, the gospel playing out in Daniel 6 in the actual life that Daniel's living now. And we see the fulfillment of it in a larger context, of course, as the Lord lives out the very same thing. Daniel lived the pattern. Jesus fulfilled it to the nth degree. Now, there's something interesting that happens. Once they find him there, they come to the king, that is Daniel. They come to the king and they demand that he be killed. Could you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? In Daniel chapter 6, verse 12. Yes. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which alter it not. So we see the same pattern being played out here. They go, uh, Daniel's house, the type of Gethsemane, where he, he knowing what was going to happen, he went forth, just like Jesus, John eighteen four, Knowing that it had been signed, he goes to his home, a type of Gethsemane, for the purposes of, of the comparison here, the type. And he prays three times in that house, just like Jesus prayed three times in the garden. And then it says uh, in Daniel six eleven that the men assembled at his house. They found Daniel there. They knew where he was, just like Judas assembled the, the, the officers and the priests and the Pharisees. They assembled together and they came to get they came to get Jesus because they knew the place. And after they find him there, well, we we realize what they do here is they now move. Toward the king, that is Daniel. They they find him and they move toward the king now, and they 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 seek uh, because uh, they want Daniel killed. They come to the king and say, "Now you got to kill him. You got to throw him in the den of lions." And, and we're going to see the same pattern here in John chapter 19. Take a look at John 19, brothers. John 19, mm -hmm. verse six and seven. Once they find Jesus in the garden, look what they do. Just like what they did when to the, Daniel. Go ahead, six and seven. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, 
Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. That's incredible, right? Same pattern. When they found Daniel, they come to the king, and they start saying, hey, uh, you need to throw him in the den of lions. He broke the law. And, and and we see the same thing being fulfilled here in John 19. When they find Jesus in the garden, they bring him to Pilate, to the king, if you will, and they demand that he be crucified. That's what they were saying about Daniel, right? Throw him in the lion of den, the, the den of lions. And now they do the same thing with Christ, the fulfillment of it. Christ is arrested and brought before the king, so to speak, and they're demanding his death. And they do it on the basis of what? The law, right? According to the law. That's what they said in Daniel's time. There's a law, right? You got to kill him. (laughs) But then something interesting happens in Daniel chapter 6, verse 14. Can you read that to us, brother? We're going to go back to John 19 after this, so keep your finger there. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. So the king now begins to set his heart on delivering Daniel. After they arrest Daniel, they bring him, uh, or or he's there somewhere close by because we know they arrest him and ultimately throw him in the den of lions. After they find him and they, 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 they then go to the king, just like the Pharisees went to Pilate, and they demand Daniel's death. You got to throw him in the lion's den based on the law. When they arrested Jesus and they come to Pilate and say, we want you to crucify this guy. We have a law. They're doing the same thing. But then the next thing that happens in Daniel's case is the king then begins to seek a way to, to let him go. Because it says he labored all night, right? He seeks, He sets his heart to try and deliver Daniel. And that's what Pilate did. In John chapter 19, take a look at this in John 19. Let me go over there real quick. Uh, I think it's verse 38 and 39, brother. Could you read that to us? And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him. I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong scripture. It's actually oh, okay. It's actually 18. I'm sorry, I wrote it. I wrote it wrong. Yeah, John 18, not 19. John 18. Before you read John 18, before you read John 18 again, let me say it again. After they arrest Daniel, remember, or or they go to the king, they start demanding that 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 the king kill kill him, throw him in the lion's den. And, and they say, and they do it on the basis of the law of the Medes and the Persians. The Pharisees did the same thing. After they arrest Jesus in the garden, uh, they bring him over to the judgment hall and they demand of Pilate to crucify him according to the law, their law. So now, we just read in Daniel chapter 16, verse 14, the king begins to try and figure out a way to, to rescue Daniel. Well, the same thing happens here with Pilate in John 18, verse 38 and 39. Look what he does. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. 
but ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? So we see here what Pilate's doing, right? He 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 first again reiterates he's really not he's not guilty of anything. And then he's, and then so now he's trying to figure out a way to let him go, right? He says, you have a custom. That tells us that Pilate was trying to figure out a way. Just like the king in Daniel's time was laboring and trying to look for some kind of an out. Right? And mm -hmm. that's what Pilate was doing. Same thing. Uh, you got a custom. You know, this is the way. I mean, that's what he's thinking, right? <laughs> I can get him mm -hmm. out of it by this, you know, because you have a custom. Because they came to him on the basis of a law, right? Uh, Pilate sought a way. But then... In 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 in, ver in chapter six of verse fifteen of Daniel, can you read that? Then these men assembled unto the king, and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is is that no decree nor statute which the king establishes may be changed. So there we go. So the. the <laughs> The king continues to seek a way to deliver Daniel, but but again, the men begin to pressure him, right? They keep reiterating the law of the Medes and the Persians. This is a law thing, they're telling him. But he continued to look for a way. Uh, but then in, uh, in, in John chapter 19, uh, we see what, what happens is the same thing. Read 19, verse 12 and 13. And then, and from henceforth, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king, speak it against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that... I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth, and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. Right. So what we see in Daniel again, in Daniel 6.15, uh, the men assemble themselves under the king, and they say, hey, don't forget, <laughs> this is the law of the Medes and Persians. You, 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 there's no decree, no statute uh, that can be changed here. you got to go through with this. And, and so they pressure the king, even though he's trying to look for a way. And so what we just re had read to us by Brother Jeremy in John chapter 19 is the same thing. It says, from henceforth, Pilate continued to seek how he could release him. But the Jews kept saying, if you let him go, you're not a friend of Caesar. So basically, they were pressuring Pilate, just like the king was being pressured in, in Daniel's time. They're pressuring Pilate. And they and they do it on the basis of Caesar, and which is re really is Roman law, right? I mean, you do this, you're breaking Roman law, and and so so then Jesus is finally brought to the judgment seat, and and that's where where Daniel finally is brought to his judgment as well. After the king concludes, there's no way out of this. Pilate concluded the same thing. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in, in Daniel uh, six sixteen? Yes. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. 
Now, go back to John 19:16 and read there. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. We see the same pattern, right? I mean, they continued to pressure the king in chapter 6, verse 15 concerning Daniel. And then they doubled down on him and says, you can't break this law. You know, this is the law of the Medes and the Persians. And and after he had to relent and he had to allow it to happen, uh, he, he, he then calls for Daniel and casts him into the lion's den. The same thing happened here in John. They brought Jesus to Pilate, and he continues to seek a way to release him. But then they double down on him and say, look, this is Roman law. This is Caesar, man. You can't break this. You've got to crucify him. And then so just like in Daniel's time, Pilate relents uh, just like the king did and delivers Daniel over to their hands, just like Jesus was delivered over to them. Daniel's thrown into the lion's den which is really a type of, of the cross, right? Because it's the place of death, but it's also the type of the tomb, right? So he delivers Jesus to them to be crucified, the same thing. Were you going to say something, brother? Yeah, I think also to add in making the comparisons, this is a beautiful uh, uh, thing that the Lord is showing us, the patterns that we see. Another thing is it, it's interesting how they are, uh, these in, in the book of Daniel, these men, evil men, initially come to King Darius with trickery and deceitfulness. And mm. Daniel was never counted on uh, to pass this law. But now they're being very stringent about the law. The same thing yeah. with Jesus. He was accused, you know, secretly. He was accused, um, and, 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 and a lot of, even men were brought to say lies about him. But yet they're trying to now act as abiding by the law. So that's another comparison we can make, you yeah. know, um, how how they are wrongly accused, but then they, you know, th these men try to abide by the law now and, and stick to it, yet they themselves, you know, broke it. Yeah, that's just, yeah, amen, that's an excellent point, brother. Yeah, that's the, the patterns are amazing. I don't know if you're seeing all this, but I hope you are. <laughs> We're going from scripture to scripture. But the point will be brought home really, you know, more intensely as we, it's already intense to me, but we're going to drive this home and why we're looking at this. But uh, Daniel, then from basically from, from trial to his cross, his cross and his tomb, really, that's really what happened to the Lord. They cast Daniel into the lion's den. Uh, can you read that, Brother Jeremy, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 17? What did they do? A stone. <laughs> A stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed <laughs> it with his own signet, and mm -hmm. with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. So they, they cast Daniel in the lion's den, which is a type of the cross, but it's also a type of the tomb, right? I mean, that's death mm -hmm. and the tomb right there. And then they bring a stone, and they put it on the mouth of, of the den, and then they seal it with the king's ring. And 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 turn over to Matthew twenty seven. They did the same thing to Jesus. Matthew chapter yeah. twenty seven. Yeah. They take from Jesus' cross to his tomb. And what do they do? Twenty seven, verse sixty five and sixty six. 
Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchers sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. That's exactly what they did. They did the same thing that happened to Daniel. They they put a stone over the over the den of lions, a, a type of the of the tomb, and then they sealed it. They did the same thing with Jesus. They took they put Jesus in the tomb. They put a stone over the tomb, and then they sealed the stone. The pattern is perfect, and 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 now he's they're, they're both in the tomb, so to speak. But then what happens, Brother Jeremy? What happens after they put Jesus in the tomb, right? He raises from the dead. Well, look at what happens right. in, to Daniel. Can you read to us uh, verse 18 and 19? Amen. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. Incredible. So what we see happening in verse 18 is really a, he, he becomes like a type of the disciples, right? And all the people that love Jesus. You know, during that three-day period when Jesus was in the tomb, um, you know, they're all fretting and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then, then it says in verse 19, the king rises very early in the morning and he comes to the den of lions or the, or the tomb, you could say. I wonder if that happened for the Lord. Let's take a look at Luke 24, verse 1 and 2, Brother Jeremy. Could you read that? Yeah. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Incredible. It's the same language. You know, they, they, uh, it's very early in the morning. And, and in Daniel's case, it says of the king, very early in the morning, he comes to, to the lion's den or, you know, for purposes of what we're looking at, uh, Daniel's tomb, really, he should have been dead. Well, the same thing happened. Very early in the morning, they come to the Lord's tomb and, and, and they find the stone rolled away. That's what the king ends up doing, right? It's a type of the resurrection in Daniel chapter 6, verse 21 through 23. Could you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth, and they, they, have, not, and they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. So then, so then what does the king do? Verse 23. Then, then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. <laughs> Praise God. This is the resurrection, right? They take him up out of the den of lions. That's what happened to Jesus. He went into the lower parts of the earth, right? And and early in the morning on the third day, there was no hurt on him because he was found innocent. 
you know, remember what Jesus said uh, to his disciples? He said, the prince of this world comes, but he finds nothing in me. That's what Daniel is saying here when he says, uh, right? He says in verse uh, 22, he says the, that the lions didn't hurt him because... Uh, innocency was found in him. Yeah, he was innocency was found in him. Jesus was the spotless lamb. See, when Jesus went down into the lower parts of the earth for you and for me, he went to lead captivity captive. No demon in hell could touch him or prevent him from what he was doing because there was no guilt. There was nothing they could they could lay a charge on him. And that's what Daniel's, you know, revealing to us about the Lord and and, and says uh <laughs> that he's done nothing wrong. He was completely innocent, the spotless Lamb of God. And that's the reason that he rose from the dead. That's what identified him as being the qualified candidate to become the resurrected savior. That's what Romans chapter one tells us, right? He was declared to be the son of God uh, by the resurrection of the dead, by the spirit of holiness. So we see a resurrection, we see a tomb, we see a stone rolled away. We see an early in the morning come visitation. We see Daniel being brought up out of that tomb. Jesus came out of that tomb. It's an incredible pattern. Daniel says something really interesting, right? He says, God, sent his angel, right? In verse 22, he he says, my God has sent his angel. You all know the story, right? I mean, when they show up to the tomb, there's two angels there that had rolled away the stone, right? And even when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, you know the scripture, it says that God sent his angel to him to strengthen him as he went through his trial. So we see the patterns and, 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 and types completely fulfilled in Christ. Daniel lived the gospel in Daniel chapter 6. Now, what happens to Daniel's enemies in Daniel 6.24, Brother Jeremy? And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them in the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. (laughs) That's so descriptive. There's many ways we could look at this, but after Daniel's brought up out of the den, uh, just as Jesus was brought up out of the tomb, the Bible says in Jesus' case, in Daniel's case, all his enemies were destroyed. In Jesus' case, it says that he triumphed over principalities and powers, right? He made an open display of them. That's the same thing that happened. But also the Jews who crucified Jesus, if you remember, and 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 caused him to be put in this position of, of Calvary, uh, so to speak, in AD 70, they were destroyed, all of them, their wives, their children. The whole city was burnt to the ground. Judgment came down on them. So we see that type here in verse 24 in that all the men who had come against Daniel, all of them, it says, uh, were were destroyed and cast into the bottom of the den. That's, that, that's a representative of the pit, right, of hell itself. So the Jews were destroyed in A.D. 70. Jesus made a triumph over principalities and powers. Daniel, after coming up out of that den, uh, has his enemies completely destroyed and cast into the into the lowest pit. And then after that, it's really cool here what happens in verse 25 through 27. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations and languages, 
that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Verse 27. He delivereth and rescued, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath, del who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Praise God. So now the Father and Daniel are exalted, right? It's the same thing that happened with Jesus. What's interesting is, is verse 26, a decree is made, right? A decree. What is the decree of the law of the Medes and the Persians, right? It cannot be broken. <laughs> so a decree, right? A decree was made uh, over, over, the, over the whole world, right? The Bible says in verse 25, uh, Darius wrote unto all people, all nations, all languages that dwell on the earth. What does he say? Peace be multiplied unto you. Isn't that what Jesus said when he came out of the tomb? Peace be with you. <laughs> Remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's being declared here, right? This is resurrection. This is, it's been won. The victory's over. The enemies are destroyed. And now what's being declared is what is what was declared really uh, to the whole world when Jesus rose from the dead. That's what he told uh, the disciples in Matthew 28. Take a look at that, Brother Jeremy. Matthew 28. Read to us verse 28. Uh, I mean, chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. It's the same language. It's really interesting. It's really powerful to be. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven. And in earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So when, when Daniel's brought up out of that, tomb you know and, and and his enemies destroyed then then the decree is made that all power belongs to to the god of daniel that's what jesus was saying all power is given unto me right everyone needs to know throughout the whole world that's what that decree that darius made was to all people's nations languages that dwell on the face of the whole earth and peace was declared that's what the angels sang when jesus was born right peace on earth goodwill toward men this is what we see played out in Daniel chapter 6, and what was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's incredible to me, the patterns that we see, and they're significant. Daniel, a type of Christ, actually lived these things out. You know, he was a perfect picture of the Lord. The gospel plays out exactly as it played out in the life of Jesus, all in Daniel chapter 6. I mean, oh, are the mysterious ways of God, right? The way he records his scripture, the way things are lived out. It's incredible to me. You know, Daniel lived these things out precisely at the time when Gentile global powers ruled the world. And when Daniel chapter 6 concluded, it's Daniel's God who is decreed to be worshipped and only him. And, and it's Daniel's God 
who is a declared ruler over all the nations of the world forever. We find ourselves in the same times. Only our times truly, I think, are witnessing the same global states and empires now overtaking the whole world. And what this alerts us to is that a brief night is coming upon us, yes, but it will end with our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, declaring, being declared the ruler of the whole world and the enemies of God finally and ultimately being destroyed. And the whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the, of the Lord, just like Darius decreed about Daniel's God, right? The whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters fill the sea. See, I think it was significant that Daniel uh, lived out this pattern in chapter 6 because chapter 6 precisely records to us the diminishing of one power and the rise of the super state that finally is allowed to overtake the whole world. If you can see it and receive it, it's a multi-layered prophetic truth that is hidden there, almost in code, if you will, which we were just briefly unlocking. There's so many more types there. But I think it's a, it's a foreshadow, and it's also a declarative revelation that's being given to the children of God at this time, that when we see the same particulars unfolding in our world, that what we can expect is exactly what we see in the conclusion of Daniel chapter 6, and that is <laughs> that God is coming. And that he's coming to put down the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord himself is going to rule and reign. And his dominion, just like was declared by Darius, is forever and ever. And his kingdom shall have no end. It's going to end with our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, being declared the ruler of the whole world. And it won't be long now. Because his is the kingdom. And his is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's today's little study. Any comments, brothers? Got anything to share before we close? What a a beautiful description uh, that we see. um, You know, I I remember um, as a young student of the Word of God, I remember... uh, an advice that uh, actually you gave me, Brother Marty, many years ago. <laughs> and he says, when when you read the Word of God from Genesis to Re- Revelation, always set your mind to see if you can find Jesus. If you can find Jesus, and and I can prove it time and time again when I study this Word. There's always a typology. There's something that you can that relates to Jesus, you're on the right track. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Very beautiful, uh, st- profound study, simple but yet profound study of typology. And as Daniel, you know, gives us the pattern of what Jesus went to, in many ways as his disciples, we have to learn from it because we yeah. will be going in many ways through the same thing. That he went yeah. through it. Amen. And so this is said to comfort us. Daniel trusted in his God. Daniel trusted in his God. And the Lord delivered him. Not from the lions then. 
than in the lion's den. That's powerful. That's powerful. Not, not all the time God <laughs> spares you from the lion's den. Many the best times are when he when he spares you in the lion's den, as he spared the lives of a Shadrach, Meshach, of a Beton in Abednego in the fiery furnace. That's what we're heading. But as you said, it's only for a night. It will only endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Praise God. Anybody else want to add before we close this uh, beautiful study? Brother, Brother Fernando, say something. <laughs> something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm Thank just uh, just listening, just just uh, enjoying the Word of God, and like like Pastor Jeremy yeah. said, that that's the key. Uh, Jesus is. Uh, I was talking to one of my buddies, and. Um, I told him this. I said, he's the forgotten character in the word of God behind pulpits today. My Lord. And uh, when I said that to him, he said, man, you know what? I never thought about that. I said, are we trying to learn from Paul? Are we trying to learn from Daniel? You know, and, and, and you know, we, we get a lot of prophetic teaching from Daniel. We get a lot of doctrinal teaching from Paul. But what about Jesus? Yeah. And that's all these men desired to do was to be like him. Praise God. And uh, the Apostle Paul said that this one thing I do. He didn't say two, three, four things I do. He said one thing I do. I press towards the mark <laughs> of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Praise Lord. God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's amazing. You made me think about what Paul said, you know, that I may know him mm. in the power of his resurrection yeah. and in the fellowship of his suffering and that I may be conformed to his death. Amen. So yeah. there is a blessing in all of this. Praise God. Praise God. You know, Brother Jeremy, you just made me you just made me think about where is that scripture? Let's close with this and then you can close this out. In in Romans, uh which is really interesting, kind of what Brother Fernando was saying, and you were saying in Romans chapter four, I think it is, where he talks about the veil being over Moses' face. Mm. Do you remember that where that scripture is? Yeah, let me see. Is it uh, 2 Corinthians? Is it? Chapter four Six. or 1 Corinthians. Chapter First Corinthians four. Well, I was thinking of Romans. Second, you said first. The second Corinthians three. Yeah, three thirteen. Over Moses. Yeah. Three thirteen. Three thirteen. Uh, yeah. Second Corinthians three thirteen. Yeah. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Uh, 13 or 14. Amen. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their hands were blind, excuse me, but their minds were blinded. For unto this day remained the same veil 
untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away, wow, in Christ. There, there it is. See, that's what we were doing today. We were, we were taking the veil off a plain historical story and digging deeper because the Holy Spirit says, apply the Lord Jesus to it and see what you see. And, and that's what we did. That's what the Holy Spirit did, right? He takes away the veil if you apply Christ to it. And that is how all scripture has to be approached. That's why I quoted that scripture to begin with. He's the word that was made flesh. In the beginning was the word. He's the only begotten of the Father. That's why if we're going to read his word, which is him, then we should find him everywhere we look. He's there. And and why it's important that we did it from the perspective of Daniel 6 is because all of that chapter is dealing with what we believe is <laughs> is a key or a a veiled uh you know reference if you will to our time in this sense that he lived out the gospel uh and then and then at the end of the story precisely at the time that a transition had taken place on the global stage it concludes with god and his kingdom being declared supreme throughout the entire planet and so while we looked at the typology and we removed the veil by applying the Lord Jesus Christ to it, we also begin to hear that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We are being told that even though, like Brother Jeremy said, yes, there is a, a nighttime ahead, but it's only a nighttime. Uh, and, and in the morning, very early, praise God, in the morning, uh, our heavenly Daniel will return. Our Lord Jesus Christ is coming, and it will be declared where all his enemies will be put down once and for all, and his kingdom reign supreme, and his dominion, which will never end forever and ever. The veil's taken away in Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Uh, we pray that you have been blessed uh, with the study of the word today. Um, I know it's blessed us. There's always comfort. Hallelujah. Whenever we yeah. find Jesus in the word of God. You know why? Because wherever you find Jesus, that's where you find his presence. Praise the Lord. And beautiful, uh, beautiful spirit that we sense. Uh, joy, just just gleaning from the word of God. And um, uh, we pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue our study in the book of Daniel as the Lord leads us. Uh, and please tell somebody. If you know somebody who's hungry, that has questions, and uh, point them to these podcasts. I know God will speak to them. Meanwhile, we pray that the Lord will keep you and the Lord will bless you. And as always, keep looking up.